Slipping. Uh, welcome to our sincere condolences. I'm Devin. I'm Mike. And uh, this is episode seven, I believe. I think it's six. Six? Son of a yeah. bitch. Man, I'm off to a hell of a start today. <laughs> <laughs> Holy shit. I'm fucking it up. <sighs> welcome. <laughs> welcome. Welcome. Um, again, thank you to everybody who's checked us out, the conversations we've had over the previous episodes. If you don't follow us currently on Instagram, it's at our sincere condolences. It's the best place to get a hold of us. Send us a message message if you have things to talk about um opinions on anything we've discussed anything we missed we'd love to hear from you guys we love chatting about this we've had so many cool people reach out just for conversation in general to tell us we're right we're wrong agree on weird areas um which we didn't expect and just overall show appreciation and it's it's cool so yeah, thank, thank you guys yeah it's been really really rad and we're really appreciative of anyone everyone who's uh taking the time to just listen to our weird opinions and indulgences yeah and hopefully this feels inclusive and you guys don't feel like we're just preaching at you um, the goal of this is to try to make it a conversation. So please like, please interact the best you can or yep. if you want to or not, or just again, thanks for hanging out, checking us out. We're, uh, trying to make this thing slowly a little bit bigger. We're just mostly stoked that people listen at all. So yeah, exactly. Um, exactly. Giving us, giving us a rating on Spotify would be super helpful. Yeah. Five stars is sweet. You can, mm-hmm. you can give us less of one if, uh, <laughs> if you see fit, but we prefer it's a, it's a love, love relationship. Right. So yeah. We'll, uh, we'll get this one started, but Mike, I don't know if you want to introduce this one as well. Yeah. So we, um, <clears throat> I think our, our last episode was, um, opening tracks and we came up with this idea in the same conversation, which was, uh, protest songs because at the heart of it, you know, a lot of our favorite music, we always talk about how much, how a lot of our favorite heavy music is fun at its core. And, you know, a lot of the songs we'll have on our playlists and in the episodes will not only will be more than just heavy music, they will be all kinds of different genres but at the root of it also are songs that make us think because first of all self-improvement is very important in every way and part of self-improvement is expanding how we think about the world and expanding our understanding of how the world works and expanding our understanding of other people's experiences Mm -hmm. in the world Mm -hmm. you know and challenging things that are just sort of handed to us so this this topic for me, I was like, I was super, I was hella excited about it. I said hella, even though I said, <laughs> I was like, call back to a different conversation. <laughs> yeah, say hello, bring it up. Um, <laughs> I I tried really hard on this list to kind of broaden it and not just allow it to be anti-war or pro-civil rights or anything of that nature. I tried really hard to kind of layer a different list and, and kind of hit different topics that I believe on the surface may not feel like a protest song, but I'll tell you why I believe it is and why, why certain songs 40 years later continue to be mm-hmm. protest songs and why some of the fresh tracks I, I picked, I think are topical in a time where, where things are, things are fucked up and weird and scary and people are just shitty to one another. And this, the entire state of Florida needs to sink Dude, um, for real. So yeah, I'm actually really looking forward to this episode as well. Do you want to go? Uh, you want to go first this time, Mike? I feel like, I feel like I always dominate the conversation, <laughs> and the fact that I I, re- I really really stumbled twice at the beginning of this episode. Maybe I need a second to uh, to pull my head out of my ass. Oh, man, yeah, I can kick it off. I can kick it Let's off. Let's do it. Um, 
I also think we might need two bonus tracks. <laughs> That's why I'm looking at my go, list. man. We'll just keep talking. All right. All right. All right. So of my initial picks, um, yeah. So you said I, I think four of my picks are, are very much in the same vein, but um, one of my initial pick um, is the song "War" by System of a Down. Title's pretty self-explanatory, you know. Um, but you know, it, it's it's one of those things where it's. You know, it's a it's about questioning what is the point of this violence when, you know, everyone just suffers. No one gets anything good. Nothing, you know, improves for it. And who benefits from sending people off to die? You know, and this isn't, you know, meant to rip on people, you know, who are serving in the armed forces. It's one of those things where everyone does it for their own reasons. I get that. But at the end of the day, it's always important to question, you know, when we're sending people off to literally potentially end their lives, why are we doing it? Sure. And if we say, if we truly believe we have a good reason, are we accomplishing it? Because if we're not, then, you know, that has to be thought about. And I think that System of a Down song does a great, great job of bringing those things uh, into question. And, you know, when we talk about these bands, you know, System of a Down for a heavy band, they had a lot of radio play. They had a huge presence, you know, and so it's important for people to be introduced to those concepts. You know, everything, everything we consume can't always be fucking love songs and party songs. Sure. (laughs) Fair. I'll go with something on the same tip and we'll, uh, We'll start off where I ended last time. Let's talk about Black Sabbath. <laughs> what about War Pigs, man? Like, dude, yeah. Oh, absolutely. Yeah, yeah. And so I didn't pick that one because I knew you would. Yes. <laughs> like, I was like, there's no way around that. I'm not, I'm not, I don't get to have that one. It's, 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 it's low hanging fruit. Yeah. <laughs> War Pigs from the album Paranoid. Paranoid is essentially wall to wall singles. I mean, it's a massive record for them, but War Pigs specifically is, right. you know, I think the Sabbath was always a protest band in certain ways and I think in different yeah. manners. And those are all dudes from a working class town. Who all had like legit working class jobs, and yeah, you know whether, regardless of, of what portion of the war, the where the war they're protesting, or otherwise, I think it's a pretty powerful, you know, straightforward track, and it's one of those things that I've seen multiple times in the internet. Where people, people have said the same thing about Rage Against the Machine, was, which that one obviously blows my mind. But about Sabbath, they're like, they're like, well, I didn't realize that Sabbath was was a political band. And yeah, you're like, dude. Bro, bro, where you been, man? Like, <laughs> yeah. where you been for 50 plus years? Yeah. Um, Boggles the yeah. fucking mind. So, with you know, with, yeah. without fully, fully diving into lyric by lyric on that, I mean, from an obvious yeah. statement, it's from the title to the lyrics <laughs> to the riffs. I mean, at the time, I could only imagine that was a really intense, loud, heavy, prolific song that scared, yeah. scared some people and had a great point to be made. Yeah. Well, and yeah, it, it, that is a classic fucking anti-war song and it's yeah. fucking awesome. Brings up a lot of the same points about questioning, like, why are we doing this? Who yeah. is asking us to do it? Sure. You know, and I agree. I think Sabbath, if nothing else, you know, people, people talk about, you know, their imagery and, you know, especially in anything heavy, when we talk about specifically like anti-religious Im- imagery, which is often anti-Christian imagery. Sure. That's always a form of protest. And I think people forget. I think it's really easy to get wrapped up in the sort of like oversimplified fucking mall version of it. Where it's like, hey, Satan, where people are saying that and they know nothing about fucking Satanism or, or you know, or, but they also don't understand why people push back against major religions, sure. you know, and the dogma and the indoctrination that drives mass action 
and gets people to justify murder on large fucking scales. Yeah. And, and, and Sabbath, by their nature, with a lot of what they were doing, called that into question. I love well, that. And I think when I think of this topic, and I think of like the song you chose and this one and other things on my list, is a lot... I think all protest songs are rooted in one thing, and that's classism. Whether, Very much so. Whether, yeah. whether we're talking about white race, we're talking about war, we're talking about identity... Things right. of that nature. We're talking right. about human and civil rights and a lot of these things in, in the very purest form of it. And right. I think the War Pigs touches on that from a very obviously I mean these are like dudes from a working class town right. in the UK, a system of a downer, you know, dudes from Eastern Europe, and we've got African American folks on this list, and it's it's all you know, the obvious topic of the song might be different, but but the theme and the underlying root of where we're at is all the same. Right, one hundred percent. So my next one, um, Again, this is going to be something that there's no way not to pick a song by this band. But this specifically, um, it's the Rage Against the Machine song, Know Your Enemy, from their first album. So their first album came out, I want to say it was like the end of 92 or something like that. or it was 94. It couldn't have, couldn't have been 94. I got this. Keep, keep, yeah, okay. Keep, keep yeah. talking. Because um, I feel like Evil Empire came out in 94. Um, 92, 96. So you were correct on the first. Okay, okay. Yeah, 96 was Evil Empire. Yeah, because I, 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 I remember listening to the first one, like, again, like, on cassette, like, yeah. in my friend's car, like, uh, you know, before school. And that album was a real political awakening for me. You know, it was, you know, I think I was 15 or 16. It was, like, 11th grade. And it was one of those things where, like, you know, having a vague idea of things were fucked up. And, you know, this is, you know, right after, you know, like, Rodney King and things like that. And I, you know, again, having this vague idea, but also a lot of what was taught to me about civil rights at the time was very, it was oversimplified. It was whitewashed. It was like, oh, everyone always loved Martin Luther King, but Malcolm X was mean. And, you know, this only happened because a few people in the South specifically didn't like a couple black people. You know, you know it was like wildly incorrect and oversimplified. And so the Rage album started talking about, you know, like FBI involvement and how, you know, their role in dismantling the Black Panthers, uh, you know, Martin Luther King and Malcolm X's movements, you know, all these other movements. Uh, and it gave me things, subject matters I had never heard of to go study and put me off in a whole different direction. And specifically the song Know Your Enemy was one of the first times that a song had put specific names on a feeling I had had as a teen where I didn't have the framework to question this feeling, but it was the idea of like, all right, well, you know, this is supposed to be this land where everyone can prosper and everyone can be who they want, but it's clearly not true. Why isn't it true? And I didn't have, like I said, I didn't quite have the framework to a vocalize the question so I could know, where to try to find answers to it. Mm -hmm. And that was one of the first songs that pointed me in that direction and gave me things to really think about. And so partially for that reason, just remembering that feeling and that awakening, that song is still one of my absolute favorite songs of all time. It's probably my favorite rage song for that specific reason. Mm -hmm. That's a great track, man. I mean, there's a ton you can pick for rage against the machine. Yeah, oh, for sure. Yeah. That's literally the principle of that band. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Yep. <laughs> and so now nah, great track. Absolutely. Great track. So I'm gonna I'm gonna dig back a little bit further. Still stay on the war topic, but um, "What Born in the USA" by Bruce Springsteen because I think that's a commonly misunderstood song. Yeah, yeah. It is explicitly an anti-war song, specifically talking about the like America's failed role in Vietnam and right. really just veterans returning 
you know, to the U.S. and just not really being taken care of. Yeah, 100%. and it's a song that gets consistently misused, and I feel like every four years mm-hmm. there's some Republican candidate whom whom uses it, and then Bruce Springsteen sues them, collects money, and then donates it to a liberal cause of his choice, right. which I fully back because every yeah. time he sues and every time he donates the money. And I think that's really cool in the spirit of that's really rad. And I think it just kind of continues to give life to a song that somebody who's who's lazy and truly do, doesn't yeah. get past the repetitive chorus right. fully understands the nature of the song and like really the spirit behind it. And again, Bruce Springsteen, I mean, all, all of his tracks are deeply rooted in class and working, and, work, and working class. And that's another one of those songs that, yeah. you know, he, he went a little bit a step further on that one and drew a pretty hard line. And it's one of his biggest hits that yeah. most folks just don't, just don't understand. Yeah. And I, I think, yeah, people, people always misinterpret that song. And I think part of it was, you know, which if you read the lyrics, I don't think it, it draws away from it, but I think that one, it was like a live video or something. And that was the one where like he pulls somebody out of the crowd and they're dancing. And yeah. And I, I'm not saying that was, I'm not saying anything about the, that choice as sure. a video or the, anything like that. But I, I think to expound on your point, that's part of why people misunderstand it. They think it's just a fucking party. They think sure. of it like party in the USA. Well, it's because, you know, and, and they just don't fucking think beyond the chorus. I'm just like, yeah, America, sure. fuck yeah. Well, the problem I think that people don't understand is that Bruce Springsteen is, is pro America anti-war, but is also not afraid to question America right. while still being proud of where he lives and like being right. from New Jersey. And a lot of the songs, a lot of his songs are that struggle of being like proud of where you're from, but not really wanting to fully back it. Right. And I think that's fucking cool. And I think yeah. that, you know, it's, you're right. Absolutely. Like the video was, was, was tame. And, really, <laughs> right, right. and like the, you know, the album artwork, obviously with like the flag in his pocket right. and shit like that. Was, but that speaks to your point about him. It you know, it, for him, it was, it was very safe for him to, and authentic for him to be like, no, I love the country. It's just a matter of, and I know, I know I have quite a few friends like that sure. who, um, and that's perfectly okay. I'm not, you know, saying it, saying it's not, um, but yeah, that's, that's, that's very much the, yeah, in the heart of that song. I agree. Yeah. And I think, you know, when we think of the context of the time and when albums like that came out in the 50s, 60s, 70s, record labels had a lot more creative control over things than they used to, you know, and black Sabbath's volume four was supposed to be called Snowblind, yeah. and, and the label's like, yeah, we're not making a cocaine reference. And to this day, Tony Omi's like, why is there a volume four? There's not a volume one, two, three. What the fuck is this? And it was basically <laughs> changed like without their consent before the album came out. Oh, I didn't know that. Yep. That's wild. And so there's a lot of things like this. I wonder to what extent, the label maybe made Bruce Springsteen soften the visual image. Yeah, it's, it's entirely possible. Instead of yeah. just coming up with something that was true to the song, and instead, you know, he's forced to kind of work around that and still kind of push the parameters of lyrically what he was going for, which right. I think right. he accomplished. But I also truly think that most people are just lazy. No, 100%. Yeah. I, I think you're right, but I think at the end of the day, you've got, like, Republican candidates using this song without putting any real effort into it. No, of course not. And, I, again, like kudos to him to, to always donate the money to something that that is vehemently opposed to the person that used it <laughs> so. right yeah there, there's been a bunch of candidates like oh man that could be a whole other episode Dude, it's, I, it's I, like I, it happens all the goddamn time no, it's every it's single so every single cycle it's so stupid and it's literally every time it happens it's like did you, you you didn't listen to the song you absolutely didn't listen to the song you saw the title maybe you heard 30 seconds of the chorus and that's it yeah man i can only imagine <laughs> like Oh man, I just say so yeah. I, I just did a quick Google search. The first article is called "Are Politicians Too Dumb to Understand the Lyrics to Born in the USA?" Yes, they are. They one hundred percent are. Yep, they one hundred percent are. Springsteen's "Born in the USA" is an indictment of the government, the military-industrial complex, 
uh, the way we treat soldiers. Not exactly an election night anthem. <laughs> right. Like, so, oh God. But also, like, I love it when people misuse that shit because it's like, every time they misuse any song, but that song gets misused all the time. Yeah. To me, it's just, it's beautiful. It's, it's sunshine and honey because just watching those motherfuckers just make fools of themselves. Sure. Like, like I'm like, yeah, you do the work. Fine. <laughs> yeah, you're just like, all right. Yeah. No, every time I see that, I'm always like, all right, man. Okay. Same as it ever was. Yeah, right. Exactly. Cool. Yeah, exactly. Nice, dude. What do you got? Uh, my next one. Um, yeah, we're flying through these. Um, so this one, it's a band I don't listen to very often anymore. But again, when they first hit, which I think was mid or late 90s, um, again, another political awakening band for me. Um, that was, again, calling out all kinds of things, challenging all kinds of things in a way that a lot of bands weren't because they were being so specific about it in their lyrics. But again, like we always talk about, still making it fun. And so that's Propagandi. And specifically their second record, which is still one of my favorite punk albums of all time, um, it's called Less Talk, More Rock, which is hilarious for like you know what the... What the record is. And there are so many great fucking songs on that record. But the last one is a song called Refusing to Be a Man. And it's just an open, an you know, just an open refusal to just accept the version of masculinity that was handed to the singer. And that was something that was always very near to me because it was one of those things where it's like, you know, we have we have people telling us. You know, growing up definitely in the 90s and, and in the 80s and 90s and not having the same framework for discussion that we have now, you know, I, that was something that I remember it caught my attention early on in my life. This idea of like, all right, there's nothing wrong with me being a man, but there's so many people telling me that men are not, we're responsible for so much harm. How do we change that? And how do we understand what the, those harms are? Why we're we're responsible for them? What can we change? You know, what can, how how can we change this entire situation? Mm-hmm. And that very much was what that song was about to me. It was it was about him saying like, yeah, like the problem isn't masculinity itself; Absolutely. it's how we've defined it in this era of human history. Mm. And that's very, very important, you know, and he act, he actively calls out, you know, attitudes of just unchecked violence, you know, just anger, lack of vulnerability, lack of men being unable to understand their own emotions, their own thoughts. Bell hooks talks about this in a lot of her books as well. And again, it was important to be, uh, politically as important personally as important as far as my entire education, because it gave me a whole new framework you know, to think about, to think about these questions sure. and think about my role in that. It was an awesome, and awesome song. Can't I like Robert Gandhi. It's yeah, been a long time since I sat with that band. They were definitely, when it came to like, the, I, I know they started on like G7 Welcoming Committee and all that jazz. Yeah, yeah. And ended up on Fat. But I was always one of those dudes where like the bulk of Fat just didn't really speak to me. Yeah, I get that. But it was always, I mean, face-to-face being the outlier. I did face-to-face just writes great tracks. Right. But the two bands that I loved the most were the two most political, which were Good Riddance and Propaganda. Oh, 100%. Dude, Good Riddance forever. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. And I think the spirit of what both those bands did was more rooted in, like, hardcore. Yeah, it absolutely was. And I agree. Like, that didn't... That and Epitaph at that point in time, like, this is, like, mid-late 90s, I didn't care about most of what they were putting out. Sure. I, I just didn't give a fuck about most of it. Um... But yeah, I, I agree. Like, Good Riddance and Propagandi, very specifically. I'm a huge NoFX fan 
or I was up, up through that era. Um, and Propagani, they kind of fell off for me when that dude left to start the Weaker Thens, because the Weaker Thens were fucking rad. Uh, it's one of and, the bands of all time. And the, it just changed the whole flavor of the it band. Did, yeah, John K. Sampson was a big piece of that band. And yeah. He definitely, those first couple records that he were he was on, like, what was the last one, How to Clean Everything? Like, that was the first one. So he was on the first, right, that was the first So record. How to Clean Everything and Let's Talk yep, More Rock. Right. And then he bounced and then he to bounced Weaker, Thens, Weaker Thens. Yeah. Which... Yeah, we could this fucking rad. Yeah. yeah, I love that band. But yeah, man. Um, actually, before I before I part this list down, I did have a couple of good riddance tracks on there. Yeah, specifically like the phenomenon of craving that like Dude, short, that yes. short EP that's like just about like houselessness and and the challenges. And, and again, all these albums are like 15, 20 years old, and you're like, why is this? Nothing's changed, man. It all feels the same, and like yeah. everything is still fresh and relevant. It's unfortunate. Yeah, it sucks. Good riddance has tracks that are still relevant, like. Uh, on their first record, uh, there are two songs I can think of right off the top. Um, 12 Year Circus, which was about uh, yeah. the Reagan and Bush presidencies. Sure. And then they had a song called America Flies First Class. Yeah, that, great track. Both of those, yeah, again, I was just like, yeah, it was important. What was that track they had with the, the Ignite Split? Was it 21 Guns? Yeah, dude, yeah. 21 Guns is so good. Yeah. Oh, my God, yeah. yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah, their, their whole discography, similar to Rage. And, th- and that's a band that, like, I always thought should have gotten more love from people. Like, yep. I, I get it was a pretty niche sound, uh, but, yeah, I always, I always felt like they were pretty criminally overlooked. I'm going to talk about this next group because I feel like they might be on your list, so I'm going to steal this since you stole one from me previously. <laughs> um, you know, it's, it's tough to pick a track, so I picked the obvious one, but really when you think about it, Every single song and every single album that this group ever did was political. Um, and I chose Fight the Power by Public Enemy. God damn it. Yes. <laughs> I mean, yes, amazing yeah. song. But yeah, now I got to edit my list. I felt like, <laughs> whatever. I, I, felt like Fear, I felt like Fear of a Black Planet was probably on yours. Hey, yeah, I yeah, 100%. I didn't know if I wanted to pick something from that or from uh, It Takes a Nation of Millions to hold us back. Oh, God. But incredible so records. Good. But yeah. Um, yeah, I mean, Fight the Power was a very obvious obvious powerful track and yeah there's a few other tracks on here there's one that i can't uh i can't even really like say the title as a white man but it's called like the anti-n-word machine yeah, like, yeah. god what a great song that track is. jesus um, christ i mean power to the people yeah, yeah that whole record Dude, and, and you know well in the other episode when we were talking about um we're talking about run the jewels and we're talking about LP's production sure. Dude, public enemy was on that, on that same tip as far as like wildly next level production. And that's part of what made those, I'm sorry to interrupt. No, you, go, like, go. And that's part of what made those songs so sure. poignant and their messages so fucking awesome because not only was it like hyper educated and, and hyper aware again, another band, huge political awakenings for me, yeah. but it was so much fun and it didn't sound like, anything else nobody sounded like public sure. and when and when it really felt like chuck d was preaching i think that what flavor Flav did well back then was I mean, we've got two tracks on here 911 is a joke and can't do nothing for you man yeah which feel like party anthems right but are just playful playful versions of something that's very obvious i mean 911 is a joke about how you know if you call 911 from an african-american community they're not going to show up yeah yeah 100 percent, dude yeah and so yeah and he, he does it in a way that feels kind of funny but it's not yeah, and he, he yeah. just took an entirely different playful nature to it that I think gave this record and a lot of that early stuff kind of a breath in moments. Right. Where it felt like, you know, Chuck D was really just kind of hitting you over the head for three or four tracks, and then Flavor Flav would just throw a party anthem that was still on brand and was still hyper political. Mm-hmm. But he just, yeah, he had a good flavor to it. 
Yeah, no pun intended. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> uh, you were waiting all day, weren't you? No, nope. <laughs> nope, that just came right off the head, man. <laughs> just a moment of genius. I've, I've shaken the, uh, the the roughness of my first five minutes of this episode. <laughs> I, I, I got my tea. <laughs> got the comedy machine warmed up, ready to go. <laughs> I, I did my stretching. Let's, all right. So, now, so since I have to edit my list. Nah, <laughs> That's all right, because I'll, I'll, I'll slide up one of my bonus tracks here. Um, again, going back to specifically, you know, anti-war, I think my next two songs are. Um, it, it, people will always, I, I've heard people say that that's easy to write about because it's so, so ethereal. But I disagree in that it's not easy to do well. It's really easy for someone to say, oh, I'm anti-war, because it sounds like the right thing to say, at least in most of the communities that we move in, sure. right? But a lot of people don't give the shit thought. You know, they, they, they don't think about how complex the, the military-industrial complex is and how many things touch it. And they don't think about, all right, well, about the complexities of waging actual battle in communities and, and, and people's fucking homes and in cities and the reasons why pe- why governments will choose to do that, you know, and, and because so much, there's so much propaganda around war. Sure. And so a lot of it's granted impossible to understand because we're not in those communities, you know, sure. but, but it's also a for-profit business. Right. Exactly. Exactly. And that's what, you know, these next two tracks talk about. Um, very much that. And so this one, again, one of my all-time favorite bands, Lamb of God, the song Now You've Got Something to Die For. What a brilliant, brilliant song. And it's specifically about that. It's about all the rah-rah-rah and all the propaganda to drive sales, essentially, to drive military profit and, and drive profit around the industrial complex and get people pumped up, get them to hate someone. But even more, get them to ha- beyond getting them to hate someone – getting them to think of the whole thing as sport. You know, like we come out on top as a country the same way your favorite fucking football team comes out on top in the Super Bowl. You know, and people are, th- are thinking about it with that level of, of misconception. Um, and that's part of why, that, that, that's, and that's part of what drives that fervor. And I think the song does a really good job of attacking that and, and talking about it in very plain terms. Great check. Well, you said too, man. You're not gonna. Uh... Oh no! I didn't want to go out of order. Yeah, I don't do it. Right, I'm gonna go then. Yeah, dude. I was like, oh shit! This, this, this is gonna double down and just <laughs> no, fuck no, the whole program. I know, right? <laughs> it's fine. Do do what you do. All right, so I'm gonna go. This was a tough one for me because it's one of my favorite bands of all time, and I did spend some time living in Florida, unfortunately. And this band had an anthem I had because really, like the day I got to Florida, I, I realized that was also the day I needed to leave. <laughs> right, <laughs> it took right. about three and a half years. It, it was an unfortunate turn. Um, we call those the dark times. <laughs> yeah, it was, it was hard, man. It was hard to make friends out there and just be a conscious liberal person in right. a world that most folks my age were just trying to get by and weren't really thinking about those things. And they, yeah, they were no bad people. It was just really fucking hard to live there. Yeah. And like financially, social, economically, like on top of everything else, it was, it was wildly expensive for a place that didn't have a whole lot to, to offer other than hurricanes and the beach. <laughs> right. Um, and so that track, I'll get to the song I'm going to pick in the beginning, but the anthem I always had there was, was from one of, one of those bands, early tracks. So we talk about against me, but they, yeah. had, they had a line that said, if, if Florida takes us, we're taking everyone down with us. And that, that was, yeah. that was my motto when I lived there. And so really like spanning this band's entire catalog, hands down one of my favorite bands of all time. 
you know, there's so much like obvious political stuff hmm. that this band had. And they, you know, they started off as an anarcho band and kind of shifted. And then over right. time also wrote an, you know, a song about becoming bigger and really the anarcho punk community turning on them and just realizing it's all bullshit. Yeah. And so there's a lot of self-reflection in these lyrics and really, like, my favorite album of all time of theirs was Searching for a Form of Clarity. And it's yeah. it's a bit dated at this time because they're, they're taking digs at, like, ballot boxes and, like, Condoleezza Rice. <laughs> right, 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 <laughs> which, right. Which is fine. But I, I still, all that leading up to, I feel like the most important record the band ever put out and really, like, the most important. It, it, it bums me out to call this political when it shouldn't be, when it's really just human rights is... um against me is transgender dysphoria blues yeah oh my god yeah i feel like there was there was <laughs> such a hard line that me that that laura drew when it came to being you know publicly trans and, and outing mm. herself and making that the mission of the band from that point on which was truly incredible for a band that i felt like had had drawn a lot of lines previously right. and really like leading up to this record you know you, you had really the last two tracks and the two the, the two previous songs you had uh gosh you had um had the ocean at the end of new wave where, where she'd made a comment specifically about being called Laura, you know, mm. that if her mom had named her previously. And then that, that track bamboo bones at the end of white crosses. Oh yeah. yeah dude. Yeah. It's like what, what God doesn't get for you. You got to go and get for yourself. Mm-hmm. And then to drop four years later, transgender dysphoria blues. Like I yeah. fucking love that song. God. You know, the album as a whole, I think is great. I think it's absolutely complete, but you know, as it's the opening track is the title track. Mm. And I think just discussing like being who you choose to be when all people see is the Epsler. Yeah. You yeah, know, and that's sure. directly a line used in, in the song. And it's it's pretty powerful and brutal. And the record even as it goes is like, you know, like true trans soul rebel, which is saying like he's gonna yeah. take me home tonight is just not wanting to be lonely yeah, and like yeah band. I love that band yep. so much. Powerful record, powerful yeah. band. But um I had to choose that song in, in a in a a storied career of bands that accomplished so much and unfortunately i feel like that's the last great record the one after that was kind of kind of soft and i hope this band at least gets to play shows again and right i don't know why they don't laura's like vaguely touched on it and just said right. it's not in the cards right now so yeah, because they're just doing solo shows right yeah but i don't yeah they haven't really spoken why but my hope is that these songs get played live again because they're fucking good yeah and they're yeah, powerful 100%. tracks i think one of the my favorite set i saw to them to that point was right after Laura came out was they they opened up for the Q, or for the cult and I fucking love the nice. cult but they had 45 minutes they didn't they introduced themselves didn't speak no one in the band spoke the entire set they played like 13 songs in 45 minutes and it was just like balls to the wall just brutal from front to back just yeah, like yeah. hit after hit after hit and I was like fuck so and it was with like an energy for, like fervor that like I never felt with the band previous yeah and they were great before that but it was almost like being herself finally allowed this extra like energy and power behind the set that didn't exist and it was it was incredible nice awesome dude oh, i love that I love yeah it. good track so we have okay this is the last of my main list and then i have a, a bonus track so again like one of my favorite bands favorite 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 bands um partly being similar to something like uh i don't know there's so much um but they just they're so creative in how they approach everything, and I love their songwriting style. Um, it's TV on the radio. Yes. And I remember they had a song that specifically addressed uh, the entirely misguided, failed inv- second invasion of Iraq. Um, and the song was called uh, Dry Drunk Emperor. Oh, yeah. And they originally, yeah. I, I guess there's a story where um, 
they weren't going to release a song or they weren't sure how to release it. And it was actually David Bowie who suggested them just release it online only. Mm. And I think it ended up being a B side. Then on later pressings of, um, the album they had put out in that time, it became like a bonus track or something, you know, but I remember, yeah, I remember legit hearing it on like MySpace or something. Wow. <laughs> you know? Like this is early two thousands, you know, yeah, like, no, that's fair. um, but yeah, like that song, it was so different from what they normally did. And, and it's not that their lyrics, uh, their lyrics were always highly poignant and, and, and very rich in story and in detail. But I, I guess as a listener, my impression, and maybe this is incorrect, but my impression was always that the lyrics were intensely personal. And that felt like one of the first songs I had heard from that band that was talking about large, a larger issue. You know, and not specifically talking about something that was just personal to the singer. Mm-hmm. I mean, maybe it definitely was personal, clearly, but not just specifically about a, li- a specific lived experience. And so, I, yeah, it's, it's a really, really beautiful song. And again, TV on the radio always just blows my mind with just how awesome the instrumentation and production is and just what an amazing singer um, that singer was or is. Mm. Um, and so, yeah, that song, that was, that was one of the first things that popped into my mind when we were doing this list. Man, it's a great track. You listen to that one. It's been a minute. So I, I really struggled because I wanted to talk about one song before the other. And I think I'll, I'll lump the second one in a little bit because it, it's not going to count as a full track, but I, I really wanted to start with, um, Body Counts Cop Killer. Dude, yeah. <laughs> I knew you would. I knew you <laughs> However, would. However, I can't talk about that rec- that track or that record without talking about Fuck the Police by NWA. <laughs> which <laughs> fucking A, is yeah. like four years prior, 1988. Yeah, yeah. I mean, they're coming out with, uh, you know, it's pretty, pretty fucking brutal, man. Like, yeah. lyrically, it's brutal. There's a couple times, you know, they use some, some words I prefer they didn't, but it's 1988. Right. And so there's different times but man that's a brutal fucking song man yeah. like and it's it starts with that like that faux like uh courtroom mm-hmm. and basically you know calling basically calling was a judge dre i believe dr dre is the judge <laughs> yeah, in there. Yeah. but basically calling you know mc ren ice cube and easy motherfucking e up to the stand yeah, yeah. and they just take turns and it's it's just a, a very blatant specific right. indictment on how they feel as like angry young black teenagers being targeted by the police and here right. we are 2023 still at it still happening same yeah. sh- again same shit it's been i can't do math that fast but it's been a, <laughs> it's been a minute um and i think what ice t did with with body count was taking you know ice t always being pretty pretty blatant with that shit and yeah. i think you know even some of his his earlier stuff was pretty fucking brutal yeah. when it came to those types of things but cop killer was the most obvious to the point where i mean it caused a national wave it got pulled off of God, the record yeah. like scared white women all over so the world like scared cops so genius yeah yeah and i mean it's it's over the top on purpose yeah and it's it's not i think the nwa and fuck the police is a little more artful in the way they say things despite them being obvious right and and cop killers literally that and it's yeah. nothing short of it yeah that's a great yeah yeah oh my it, god that's a great pairing yeah. and i really think about it in the time of like PMRC and yeah. all that type. And obviously you had like Luke Campbell with two life crew and right, right. T Snyder with twisted sister and dudes who probably had no business meeting each other ever, like <laughs> right. joining forces to tell, right. to call stuff out. And D Snyder specifically going off and 
you know, Tipper Gore reading his lyrics and he's like, I wrote those lyrics, not you. Like, I know what they're about. And perhaps if that's how you take them, you're the pervert. Yeah, exactly. And, and Al Gore, like, fuming in the corner. Like, <laughs> Man, all that shit was so fucking wild. I still love the uh, the time Rage Against the Machine sacrificed their set at Lollapalooza to yeah. um, protest the PMRC, yeah. where they just stood there in silence. Yep. Like, to protest the censorship. And I just fucking love that. Yeah, man. It was a wild time. And it's just, yeah. I think it was. It's just wild to think back to Body Count dropping a track. Like, Body Count solely started because Ice-T had a friend he grew up with that played guitar that nobody would, like, start a metal band with. And he's like, fuck, I'll start a band with you. Yeah. And they put that out, and it, like, shook the whole nation. Yeah, dude. Dude, that band was important to me that way because yeah. it was just one of those things where, like, again, representation is everything. Like, weren't a lot of, uh, of black guys getting recognized, at least, sure. you know, in heavy music. But man, what I loved about that song, because fuck the police was a message that needed to be heard because the, you know, the national narrative coming off the news was like, you know, all these drugs specifically in black and and Latino communities and stuff like that. It's their fault. They're doing that to themselves, you know, and the police are just doing what they have to do. And they're our heroes, you know, and, and it was a really fucking important message to be heard. And, And anyone who knew, you know, a lot of people knew that that obviously wasn't the case. Yeah. But for me being a kid at the time, it was, yeah, it was fucking eye-opening. It was really important here. Yeah. And what I love about Cop Killer, and maybe this is part of where it started, and we've had this conversation too, but, you know, when we're talking about, when we're talking about any person or any group realizing, you know, where the points of oppression are, and how those affect them and what they need to do for the good of their, their community, their family. Mm-hmm. At a certain point, you, you do reach the point at some point where you just, it doesn't, asking nicely doesn't fucking work anymore. Yeah. And action does become required. Mm-hmm. And that's what I loved about Cop Killer. I'm not saying anything other than that. I'm just saying, like, it was one of those songs where it's like, yeah, at some point, you get the fuck out there and you do something about it. Well, I mean, the whole, like, the whole point of... Cop killer was to get even. Yeah, which is part of that. And yeah, to, and to I get it. it express like, frustration in a point where you feel like you had no, yeah, no other repercussion than to fight back. Exactly. Yeah, manner. because then people fucking listen. <laughs> like, yeah. like it's really easy to dismiss people asking nicely. You sure. know, and well, he even yells "fuck the police" like multiple times over, and after he says "for Daryl Gaze, for Rodney King, for my dead homies, for your freedom." Yeah. Yep. One hundred percent. One hundred percent. So. Cool. Oh, good call. Good call. Thanks, man. Um, you got one more each? I got, I got, yeah, one more each. All right. Um, it's a newer song. and this. Um, I had a couple songs on here, but I'm, I'm going to go with this newer song because it's, again, similar to what we're talking about with Good Riddance. It's a band that I think people just, like, criminally overlook. They're one of my favorite bands right now. Um, and I think they have some new stuff coming out. And, man, I... I you know, I, I could have put some Zulu songs on this list because that's a bit. If, if dude, anyone listening yeah. to this, if you have not listened to Zulu, it will change your fucking life. They're absolutely one of the best bands in, in hardcore right now. Um, and it's an important, important band, what they're doing. Their new album is right now, it's it's in my top five for albums of the year so far. But this other band, um, in a similar vein, I think wildly important. People are just super overlooking them. And they're called the Hers Collective. Yeah, good call. And they're so fucking good. Um, and they have a song called "Trans Woman Dies of Old Age," mm-hmm. 
And it's just fucking awesome. And basically the lyrics are about being a trans individual and just refusing to fucking lay down. And, and you know, you're not going to kill me and I am not going to kill me. Mm. I am going to live my fucking life and live it beautifully. And I'm going to live it completely till the time it was supposed to end. Mm. I'm not going to let you end it at your hand. Mm. And I, I fucking love that song. It's such an awesome message. And it's, again, one of those things that, like, I wish more people were listening to and talking about that band. Because what they do, musically, it's phenomenal. It's it's wildly heavy. And it's, like, this sort of, like, weird... I say, tech, like, technical, but not in this... I mean, it is technical, but it, it's also... I think, like, they didn't have a drummer for a long time, so it's, like, a drum machine it was, and, yeah. like, a live guitarist. And then there was a two-piece, like, drums and guitars. Yeah, exactly. So it's, like, super grindy at times yeah. um, and just really screamy and weird and awesome. It's some of the heaviest shit I've ever heard. Yeah, like, dude, it's fucking frighteningly like that's, heavy. That dude. song, Last Acrylic Nail in the Coffin, is one of the heaviest tracks mm-hmm. I've heard in my entire life. Yeah, and that song, uh, Assigned Cop at Birth. Yeah, <laughs> fucking brutal. <laughs> fucking love it. Yeah, great. But, yeah, but that song, yeah, Trans Woman Dies of Old Age, awesome song. Again, it'll be on the playlist accompanying the episode. Yeah. Uh, Cool. So last one for me is um, one of my favorite current hip-hop artists. I've gone really heavy hip-hop on this one, but I feel like I haven't in previous episodes. It's yeah. uh, a band called Clipping. Yeah, dude. And yeah, good call. Clipping, in some ways, has been political on previous albums, but in a lot of ways, they're they're an industrial hip-hop group. And what I mean by that is I've got two DJs that really do a lot of heavy noise stuff, um, a lot of like really crunchy, like industrial-feeling guitar parts and riffs. Um, and then David Diggs raps over them, and a lot of the stuff is like horror themed or you know, pretty pretty graphic in that manner. Like in, in a similar vein to like modern Ghetto Boys in certain ways, and they even actually like you know uh, slow down and sample again Ghetto Boys lyric candlesticks in the dark visions of bodies being yeah yeah, yeah yeah. But on uh, Juneteenth, twenty twenty, they actually dropped a standalone single called Chapter Three One Nine that was a response to the murders of George Floyd and Breonna Taylor. Mm-hmm. And it's, again, where they were political in certain ways, this one is the most blatant political one. I mean, he literally right. stops the beat at one point and says, Donald Trump is a white supremacist. And Not he, wrong. Says, he says, if you vote for him, you're a white supremacist. Not wrong. Yeah. And so, I mean, it is still kind of a dance track in certain ways. And right. like, even after that piece, it definitely has that kind of like marching dance kind of feel to it. Because after that, he says, uh, call it like it is, and then let the rims spin till they full stop. And so it <laughs> yeah, still kind of yeah. has that, like, beat and vibe to it, but it's just like, this is shit. Like, this place is fucked, and yeah. young black men and women are, are dying at the hands of, of fucking of police. police. Sure, yet man. again. Sure, and I think what I also thought about when I was thinking of this track was around the same time was uh, Felt. I'm not sure. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And so Felt 4, there's a line where Slug, Slug from Atmosphere is one of the DJs on, or excuse me, MCs on felt but he says the doors don't lock when the cops don't knock (laughs) which is like again he says it in such like a cool way like flow to it but kind of harkens back to this man where you know you think of fuck the police in 1988 and this came out 2020 yeah it's it's the same message and it's the same feel that like man i'm like do we have to live in a bunker like like dude and, and, and that's the thing and going back even further like thinking about something like um Nina Simone's Mississippi Goddamn, sure. you know, or something like that, or, or like even, um, what do you call it? Gil Scott Heron's fucking, uh, The Revolution Will Not Be Televised. Mm-hmm. Yeah, or even Billie Holiday's Strange Fruit, sure. which is, you know, most accurately about lynchings, but a ton of lynchings are at the hand of the police. Sure. You know, all of those have that through line, you know, and it's, they're about 
the violence of the state against yeah. the people. Sure. You know, and it's just fuck, dude. Like, yeah, I, I agree with you. It gets. Yeah, there's something that I, I remember seeing on social media recently where people were again talking about the police killed a black man and I want to say it was Minneapolis or something where they, again, they had a warrant, they opened the door and literally the, the it, it happens in less than one second. Yeah. Like, and they're like, oh, he had a gun. And like he did have a gun that he was legally allowed to own, but he hadn't even had time to reach for it. They sure. just, they opened the door and just unloaded into this kid. Yeah. Um, and I remember somebody posting about it. And the only thing I could comment was like, it never ends because yeah. that's how it feels. It never fucking ends. I like in the entire s- history of this country. I'll always read an article, but I've I've stopped watching the videos and things of that. Oh yeah, I absolutely won't anymore. I I, I found it desensitizing myself, and I didn't yeah. like that feeling. Mm-hmm. Like I I didn't really want to lose the anger that I have at this yeah. age, even. Yeah, because we should be fucking appalled. We absolutely should. And I think as you know, as a white man, I've uh, this type of stuff has forced me to raise my children differently too, because both of my children have friends of color, right. and my oldest son specifically hangs out at a skate park a lot, and had to learn that he can't run from the police because if his friends of color do, perhaps one of his friends might die. Yeah, exactly. Which, because, which sucks. Which yeah. sucks. To, and yeah. it's just teaching all all people to have like a different mindset. It really, it's shitty to have to be afraid of the police. Yeah. But I think all children are, unfortunately. And I think that mm-hmm. most adults who have a progressive mindset understand that it's not... Again, it's it's systemic. It's this bigger rooted issue. It's mm-hmm. a, it's a class issue, and yeah. um, there's a later era body count song called uh, "No Lives Matter," which on the surface is is kind of a corny title. Yeah, right. but he, but he goes off about how it doesn't matter what your skin color is, or if you're a poor white man, like the cops are the cops are there to marginalize you. Yeah, 100%. and it was a really like interesting topic for somebody that came from a very specific place, and over time was just like. Nah, man, it's just fucked. He's like, if you're not a white person of power and privilege, then this doesn't benefit you. Exactly. Yeah. And it's, and, he, and, and that doesn't, yeah, it's, I was going to say another thought, but it doesn't matter. Um, yeah, it, it, it kills me. And I, I hope people are starting to realize that it's one of those things that to me, you know, that system can't be fixed. You know, I've, I've definitely known people who, you know, were cops or became cops and, you know, it's always sus at first, but you want to give people the benefit of the doubt. Sure. And it's very much, you know, and maybe, and for a second, they really did think they could do good. And I can think of one person very specifically where they ended up quitting because they found out from the inside that it can't be changed. No. You know, and, and there, granted, there are people wearing those uniforms who do think they're doing good and are capable of doing good. And that's all well and that's fine. But when they're doing good, and this is a whole larger discussion, <laughs> they're doing they're you know they're doing something for the community maybe or doing something for an individual maybe that they don't need to be fucking heavily armed sure. to do you know and they don't need to be trained to think of the community as enemies and then there and you know the all kinds of things in that and, and you know the racism that is pervasive in american policing again it's baked in sure. it can't be extracted at this point which is why i'm a ab- abolitionist on that because that organization as we know it it can't be saved. It's too far gone. Well, the, can, the cancer sure. is in everything. And I think that's a problem. Is like I've I've known people who have gone into the police force and have quit for various reasons. Many in the academy because it's not a place for free thinkers. And right. if you're pure of heart and are going to this for what you believe is the right reason, at some point you're going to be pushed out because it's it's a groupthink system. Right. And man, I don't I don't want to. 
try not to tell somebody's story without their permission. Right, but, right. But really, what it came comes down to is a person I knew, like over time, continually got pushed out and pushed out and missed promotions and things of that nature because they were more of a free thinker and were doing what they believed was the best they could right. within the system and ultimately just got disenfranchised to quit. Mm-hmm. Yep. And so, absolutely. Man, this is a heavier episode. I know, right? <laughs> but I don't know, man. This is always the type of stuff where I was like, at some point we're going to get into this stuff and I'm fucking here for it and I love it. So well, for, I mean, I'm, I, glad we, I'm glad we did this episode. I mean, at the nature of it, it's the virtue of protest songs. So Right. All of this stuff, unfortunately, shouldn't be political. It is, you know, whether we're talking about about really any any of the topics we discussed, but well, and also music is such a fantastic vehicle, absolutely for for analyzing, for realizing, or or, or for or for giving a voice to sure. realization. You know, it, it's one of the most perfect vehicles for it. So, well, I mean, I think music and its core is political. Even if you think about yeah, one hundred percent Taylor Swift being a pop artist that's going against Ticketmaster. Right. Because Ticketmaster is is taking advantage of fans and people of nature that help her, have, have helped her business, quote unquote, grow. Right. And then a, a large conglomerate, even though I'm sure Taylor, I mean, Taylor Swift is an economy at this point. Yeah, it's right. like when Garth yeah. Brooks played Denver, uh, he had like 14 sold out shows in 10 days and just like brought millions of dollars in revenue. Yeah, which is yeah. wild. I'm sure Taylor so, Swift is something of that yeah. nature too. But yeah, the, but the reality city. is like Taylor Swift had to take a stance that, that may, that really is a protest in certain ways from her fans being taken advantage of by Ticketmaster, which is some shit the Pearl Jam said all out years ago. And yeah, other people said previously. Tons of people, yeah, exactly. So yeah, yeah. I mean, whether we're talking about trans rights or, or, or war, or mm-hmm. just the fact that, again, Ticketmaster is taking advantage of... That's of a class issue. It's a class issue, right issue absolutely. That's a class it's, issue. it's all a yeah. class issue. Yeah, yeah. Well, yeah, and music at its core, I've often said this, that all music is folk music, because music yeah. at its core is the story of the people mm-hmm. it's oral history yep. every time, every genre it's oral history. And so, yeah, I agree. It's political by nature. And even when you have something like that, people commonly mistake as just purely party rock, like, I don't know, like LMFAO or even the beastie boys, if you dig deeper. They do have songs that cover yeah, things that are important to be said. Absolutely. You know, like there's no, there's no artist who can really get away from that at the end of the day. Yeah. Sweet. Well, thank you all for joining us. We appreciate you. Um, Once again, at our sincerest condolences on Instagram, hit us up. Let us know what you think, how you feel. Comment on the post. Thank Uh, you very much for listening. Yeah. And if you you have ideas for things that you think we should cover in the future, we're all ears. We've got a pretty strong list ourselves, but we're going to have some guests coming up soon. And, but man, we're, we're definitely, we're definitely enjoying the conversation with you all. So this is way more than a two person conversation. So thank you guys. Enjoy the rest of your day. We'll talk to you soon. Awesome. Thanks very much.